You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Questions podcast, brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Cole Midnight Carmody. No Ryan Gills Gilbert today. He had a work conflict. He is now working at a new Aggieville establishment called Goolsby's. Spooky. That's how the crowd used to yell it when his uncle, cousin, something weird, when long, long time ago played at K-State. So, yeah, he's at work. <clears throat> We're happy that he's gainfully employed beyond working for me because that doesn't reflect well. On his future. He's adulting. He's adulting. As I mentioned, we are sponsored by The Fridge. And make sure you get to Aggieville and check out our segment sponsors, Tanner's and the High Low. And we are also working on some stuff with Goolsby's. So you'll be hearing their name around a little bit. But we are going to plunge into your questions from Wabash Station. By the way, I just saw a Twitter ad from The Fridge. Paps Blue Ribbon now has, what do they call it? Uh, It's like 8% seltzers. So, I mean, I'm not into seltzers. Cole's not into seltzers. But 8% seems like a better investment. If I got to have a seltzer and uh, possibly get diabetes while drinking, and you know me, Zach, I like a fruity martini, but seltzers are just a little bit too much for me. I might as well have 8% alcohol in it. Bang for your buck. Hmm. I'll just stick to the tried and true. Which is? Not truly. Not truly. White Claw. The Claw leaves you drunk and in awe. Here we go. Your questions from Wabash Station. Midnight has it this week. First question of the podcast is from Limestone Silo. What's your level of concern for Deuce Vaughn sustaining a severe sophomore slump? Will an offseason of studying tape allow defensive coordinators to neutralize him, or are his talents special enough to prevent a slump? Yeah, they are. Um, The fact that he was able to do what he did as a true freshman with limited off-season exposure due to the pandemic, come in and know the playbook, not have the full strength and conditioning program, the, the his ability to overcome all this and do that basically as an, an 18-year-old or whatever he was, but was incredible. And on top of that, his problems as the season progressed were the simple fact that the offense didn't have anything else going for it, and it was easy to key on him. I don't think that'll be the case anymore. I think they're going to be much more balanced offensively. We'll see. Skylar Thompson staying healthy will certainly help. But also Deuce is bigger and stronger. I mean, they've already talked about the offseason program for these guys that were true freshmen. Uh, You know, they didn't quite get all the preseason muscle they needed last year, and now they've just stacked it all on. It's going to be interesting to see how teams handle him, how K-State uses him, and is it possible to move him around on the field where you really can't key on him? You can't say this guy's going to take you away because now he's out at receiver. And I think we're going to see a lot of that, particularly with Joe Irvin returning. Mm -hmm. I feel like Joe gives him someone in the backfield then. They can split Deuce out into a receiver position, and you still got to deal with Joe. So I'm I'm going to be intrigued to see how they use him, but it is going to be a serious game of chess. You know, those defense coordinators, Zach, are going to be moving the pieces around, and it'll be up to Courtney Messingham to figure this out. Like you mentioned, I think it's about balance. If K-State can't find a balanced offense, you know, if they can't fix their problems at wide receiver and Deuce Vaughn is it, so to speak, yeah, defenses are going to be be able to key in on them. But if they can mix it up, if Mess can, you know, adapt and and put him in places that'll you know, that are different than what it was just last year. You know, I mean, it was it was pretty easy to see, you know, Deuce was it. Um, you know, Joe Irvin coming back, if the wide receivers can, you know, improve, 
you know, Deuce has a lot of options and places you could slot him to to let this offense be successful. So I think he needs to become more versatile to avoid a slump. But if it's anything like what last year was, yeah, he's he's going to slump and he's going to slump pretty hard. I just don't see how um, this offense could get any worse as than it than it was last year. I mean, they return every single person on the offensive line. They return a quarterback who's going to be back for his sixth year in the program, third under this offensive coordinator. Um, and on top of that, you mentioned if it's Deuce Vaughn is a special talent. And I'll tell you, I've seen, you know, some of these guys just by, you know, being out. And um, those freshmen, you can tell, they have definitely put on muscle. I mean, I saw Will Howard, he didn't even look like the same kid. What does that mean? You know, I don't know. But I, I, I do think that Deuce Vaughn, you hit on everything that I was going to say. It's just his ability to come in and adapt. I mean, that just says everything about the kid about his mentality and about his skill set and keep in mind this isn't a matter of a player who's just incredibly athletically gifted he's also a guy who grew up with a football coach so he has this really nice understanding of the game that allows him to to figure out what the defense is trying to do to him now let's let's be blunt here he was just overwhelmed last year as the season went on He, he wasn't physically ready to handle what defenses were able to throw at him because they didn't have to worry about any real pass-catching threats, particularly when Briley Moore was hurt. There was not another real offensive ball-carrying threat that made you scared. Um, So when he went off the field, it really took the pressure off. And honestly, they figured out Will Howard, too, and were able to kind of bottle him into positions that he was least productive in. Um, Now, just having Skyler back solves a big part of that. Having another tight end that is getting great reviews solves part of that. And the receiver supposedly stepping up solves another part of that, along with what I mentioned with Joe Irvin. I'm I'm excited to see Deuce as a sophomore. Uh, I think the sophomore <clears throat> slump is more psychological than physical. Uh, I mean, you think about it, you come into the game with a better understanding and better physical presence. Why would you be worse than your freshman year? I mean, there's some ignorance is bliss going on there as a freshman where you think you can compete and you go out and have some success. And then you think, oh, it's easy. And it's not easy as a sophomore. I don't see that happening with Deuce. I don't see this kid taking anything for granted. Uh, next question comes from Hard Ash, and he is a new subscriber. Welcome to the nice. podcast. Thank you for asking questions. We always love when we have new people or, a part of the case, show. In this thank you for asking questions. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, you're now officially part of the podcast with a dorky comment from Fitz. Um, after all the ways Snyder won by zigging when everyone else was zagging, five wise with Chad May, the quarterback run game from Bishop onward, a running offense and a pass-happy Big 12, where does the opportunity lie for Kleiman to do the same? Perhaps said another way, what wrinkles would you like to see Kleiman and the staff introduce that would set K-State apart schematically from the rest of the conference? Well, I think in some ways they've done it. I mean, this commitment to pro-style NFL balance um, using the tight end and running backs, and I really think that's the key here. Uh, I think throwing to tight ends and running backs is a huge opportunity at the college level because that is the weak spot of a defense, that you know, having an, having someone at the size of a strong safety um, or nickel that can cover a tight end and a linebacker at the speed to cover a running back, those are mismatches. Those are those are guys you can't find. Um, and I think the balance offense, if they can maintain their balance and diversity of play calling, can be an, an incredible asset. Now I think it's interesting. Kansas is going to essentially the same offense, uh, so it'll be a little less unique. But, um, you know, you talk about zigging and zagging. I really thought Kansas was going to end up with the option Triple football. Option. <laughs> uh, I thought they were, but no, they're going to end up with a very similar offense. Yeah, it. the thing about it is now these this generation coaches have seen it all. They've, they've gone through the spread, and they've also seen the power running games. Uh, so I think defensive coordinators are currently in a cycle where they might be a little bit ahead of where they were a few years ago, and we're seeing the points slow down a little bit. So much of the game now is, do you have Trevor Lawrence? Do you, do you have that guy at quarterback that's just better than everyone else? Well, that's true at every level. You see it with the Chiefs. But I, I think uh, the Chiefs offer a great set of lessons for any coach is – Go get weapons. Maybe they're too short. Maybe they're, you know, they don't fit the mold. 
Tyreek Hill is way too short to be an NFL receiver, isn't he? Well, they found a way to really use him. And they've got a really athletic tight end that, that can make things happen. So if you can go find some diversity of weapons, I think it's really going to trouble teams. Yeah, I think K-State is so different from the rest of the league that if you change anything, you're going to become more similar. You know, mm-hmm. picking up the tempo, doing other stuff, you know, passing a lot, you know, not holding the possession. Which brings me to my my point is, you know, under Snyder, you know, dominating the possession game was what won a lot of football games for right. them. And even though the, the offense is somewhat different, it's still a similar style that they're playing. And I felt last year especially – K-State didn't prioritize maintaining possession because when when everybody's trying to score within three minutes, you know, you need to maintain possession on offense if you want to, you know, keep yourself in the ball game. And I think that that K-State didn't focus on that as much and make it as much of a priority as they should have. So I think if they're going to do anything next year that might be a wrinkle that that I'd love to see them improve on is that possession game. You know, they should be Good holding point. the ball between 35 and 40 minutes a game. They shouldn't point. they should not be they shouldn't lose the possession battle in this league. I mean, there's no excuses for it. Oklahoma State shouldn't have the ball for 32 minutes or whatever. You know, I don't, I don't know exact stats, and I'm just pulling stuff out of my head. But, you know, that's that's one thing that they need to be good at. And it's something in a league like they've like said this. they want to do. But yeah. you're right; they got away from it last year. And I think mostly because with a true freshman quarterback, they knew they couldn't sustain drives without mistakes happening. So let's get the points as soon as we can. And, and honestly, that's a formula. You turn the game into about weapons, and they were undergunned big time. Well, I think they need to throw the ball to the tight ends. And right. I did a piece on the tight ends would have been almost two, a month and a half ago. I really think that you have three unique tight ends that all bring a different skill set to the team. And, you know, they might not be the, the most talented, the most skilled, but there's no reason that they can't involve them more in the offense. I look at um, Nick Lenners, and if he can ever – come through. I mean, I, I've called him baby Gronk since the day that I've seen him play. He just is huge. Like He's got to get healthy. Yeah. You know, and, and then you, you got a guy like Sammy Wheeler, who I think has the speed to outrun a lot of linebackers in this conference. I mean, to me, it starts with throwing the ball to your tight ends and you have a unique set of running backs too. We talked about Deuce Vaughn a little bit earlier, but Keon Mosey is somebody we haven't talked about. And I think he brings another unique skill set that they can line up at wide receiver. And I've always said, get the ball to your best players. At the end of the day, I think that's what needs to happen. Yep, I agree. Totally. Uh, Third question comes from PurpleCat271. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a little bit since we've taken your questions. Um, He asks, looking at the record of all sports, can this school year be considered the worst in K-State athletics history? If so... Why do people still consider the athletic program in good hands with Gene Taylor? Well, I need more than one year, um, but it is a big concern. I just wrote about it. <clears throat> it's a big concern. I, I didn't go back and compare, you know, all sports, but like I said, it's the first time football and basketball have had a losing season since 1990. Um, it, it's kind of remarkable. It shows how difficult it is to be good in both because they've always been good in one. You know, before Bill Snyder, Lon Kruger had basketball going pretty good, and then Dane Altman picked it up and was okay, but had the dip in 1990. It's it's troubling, and we have to see much more improvement next year. And I've said this before. I mean, General Myers is going to retire. I mean, I'm shocked he hasn't. I think he wants to. The Board of Regents have asked him to stay on and stay on. Eventually, the university is going to have a new president. And when a new president comes in, new president wants new president's people. So it might be a good time to get things rolling. Yeah, we'll get into that. But, yeah, like you said, you kind of need to see more time before we criticize Gene Taylor, I guess, you know, one year, one bad year of, you know, across all sports is, is frustrating, but I don't think that means anything at least right now for the leadership of at least the athletic department. So yeah, I mean, you'd have to go back a long time. Like you said, 1990 since football and basketball, but throw in, you know, what baseball's done this year has been kind of frustrating. So, you know, it, yeah. It sucks. <laughs> At the end of the day, though, I don't think you can criticize Gene Taylor for everything that's gone on. Um, I understand that you can be mad at him for, you know, the situation that's going on with basketball and Bruce Weber. But if you were to look at just, you know, I guess if you want to say the three major sports in football, basketball and baseball, 
I don't think you can really freak out about baseball just because of where the program was. Um, I don't think you can freak out about football because of the multitude of things we've talked about. But with basketball, I can understand your frustration. But I don't think it's fair to criticize Gene Taylor just yet. I really don't. Yeah, I. it, it was just a weird year. Let's get beyond this year and see where it takes us. Next question comes from the greatest user of all time, Mr. K-Ned. Oh, man. that Wow, the young guy just gave K-Ned the ultimate compliment. Wow. Maybe there was some sarcasm in there. I don't know. I don't know. No, I, wow. Yeah, I, I was taking shots wow. at K-Ned. K-Ned, <laughs> run for cover. At how many other Power 5 schools does the AD not only have the coolest hot seat rating, but also get a raise for a combined 350 conference winning percentage? Are K-Staters too nice to be competitive? Uh I'm not going to criticize what anyone gets paid. I didn't understand the timing of the raise. I didn't. It's I didn't. awkward. It was awkward. In the middle of a pandemic I, where everybody's taking pay cuts. I get contracts, but, yeah, it doesn't look good. Isn't it just, just President Myers just taking care of his buddy? Well, that's a, that's what it indicated to me, that President Myers is going to be stepping down soon. And he was making sure a guy who's been a, a loyal soldier to him is taken care of in his absence. That's what it seems like. That's that's kind of how these situations work now in academic circles, and certainly it, it appears to be that way this time. I, I I did find it awkward and uncomfortable, and you know it would it would be kind of like me saying, "Hey, we're not making the same kind of money we've made in the past, but I gave myself a raise." Have fun, guys. You know, even if me as an owner of the company, I could do that. But it's not motivating to you guys at all. Um, you know, I, I could. I could. But probably, does do, do coaches look at what Gene Taylor's being paid and I'm he gets a bump? About, I'm not talking about coaches. I'm talking about the people. Oh, I, I get what you mean. In yeah, athletics, okay. I get what you mean. Um, yeah, coaches don't care because yeah. they're getting paid more than Gene. But he's not going to get fired. I mean, that's that's the thing. That's really what what it comes down to, right? I mean, if if people are are talking about what's going to happen with Gene Taylor, he's not going to get fired. You just talked no. about it. The general is going to be out here soon. Why would he want to fire no. yeah. somebody who you mentioned has been loyal to him? It, that, I understand why people are frustrated, but I just don't think that's a realistic you know, scenario at this point. I, I, I get this tone of these questions, and I get the tone of the board. I completely understand. Folks, this year has stunk. It's, it's sucked. Personally, you know, setting a K-State sports aside for all of us, this has been difficult. But to have your outlet, you know, you're like, hey, I get to at least still watch K-State sports. They, they saved college sports. Now I can still watch them. Oh, I, I get it. It stinks. But I don't think this is a, a permanent thing going on with K-State sports. I don't think they've sunk to this level on a permanent basis. I think we've just had an alignment of bad things and, you know, really unfortunate timing with the pandemic with men's basketball. They had other opportunities um, and distractions in football that kind of made it a helter-skelter season. Women's basketball was incredibly disappointing. Baseball has fallen short of expectations. It's Bluntly put, been a giant kick in the crotch kind of year. It's not been fun, and I get it. I understand your frustrations, but that's one of the things I, I've always loved about K-Staters is maybe it's the ag background that even, you know, you as a city boy coming to Manhattan and being around ag people, you just persist. Sometimes it rains too much. Sometimes it rains too little. Sometimes, you know— the, the cows have lots of little babies, and other times they don't. You know, you just don't know what's going to happen in your ag life. But you keep going back to work, and you keep showing up, and you keep doing things, and you enjoy the highs, and you make it through the lows. And I, I think the same thing will happen with K-State sports, <clears throat> and, I, and I really hope football is getting closer to some highs. I don't think it'll be it'll be improved this year, but I don't think it'll be – this year may not even be next year, but I think good things are coming for football. I have a sincerely great feeling about football and basketball. I don't know. I, you know, the trend would be now it's going to trend up for a while. That's the Weber trend. We'll see if that plays out. So it's, it's not going to be this drought for years on end. Better times are coming and the harvest will be better and your smiles will return. Another question from Limestone Silo, kind of 
feeds into the discussion we're having now. I know this has been discussed before, but I need to be reminded after the baseball team followed the rest of the athletic teams this year by underperforming. Why, again, are we supposed to think Gene Taylor is running a good athletic program? I mean, at some point, the boss is held accountable. I, I understand that, but not for every little downturn. I mean, you just you can't run any organization like that. That would be like saying, "Hey, our sales dropped this year." Well, there was a pandemic. I don't care. Sales dropped. You're fired. I'm going to bring in a new guy, and we're going to start all over with the management. Is this? You got to be careful about that. We talk a lot about having overturning coaches, you know, and and Gene's been good about you know making sure coaches have enough opportunity to win. Maybe too good, you could argue, but you, that probably holds true for. Athletic directors. Now, one of the things I was concerned about with Gene was John Curry was the exact opposite of a coach's AD. He was adversarial with his coaches. Still can't explain it. Don't understand it. I think it was a you know personal weakness um, growing up that he was intimidated by people like Bill Snyder and Deb Patterson and Frank Martin. And he was going to push back now that he had the power. Gene's the other way. I mean, the the, the door, the saloon door swings both ways. And we swung back the other way to a coach's AD. And the problem with the coach's AD isn't that they give their coaches a lot of rope and, you know, let them kind of feel through the process. They often become their friends. And believe me, as a boss... Becoming friends with your employees makes everything a lot more difficult. So it's a real challenge of leadership at that point. Yeah, and to your point, you know, it looks the optics of Gene Taylor hiring Chris Kleiman, you know, he was his AD at North Dakota State. So it, it looks bad. And, you know, it seems like there's some increased pressure for, for success there. But remember, he's only had two years. Chris Kleiman has had two years, one of which was interrupted by a pandemic and a whole host of other things. So, you know, he's basically going into year two is how I feel it with Chris Kleiman. And then take basketball, for example. They were coming off of the worst season ever, and then they do it again and have another bad season, which, yeah, you can chalk up to the pandemic a little bit, but, you know, it was it was going to be bad. It was going to be some growing pains. Right. And then it was probably even worse than what people expected. So I feel the frustrations, but... You know, I feel like next year I'm optimistic for football, but I'm probably pessimistic on basketball. Just prove me proof that you're not what you've been the last two years, because because if they are what they've been the last two years, I'd trust Gene Taylor yeah. to make the move. I think, too. I mean, let's not make it sound like we're giving Gene Taylor a free pass and we're making excuses because I don't want people listening to think that we're sitting up here making excuses because of the pandemic. The bottom line is every single school in the country had to deal with the same thing. So that's not what we're doing. I think that is pretty clear. I think for me, I look at Gene Taylor right now, and if you want to compare it to a professional organization, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but he's the owner of a professional team. He hires the general manager. The general manager and the owner both hire the coach. He really does not have any impact on the field, on the court. He just has an impact on who is leading the players on the field and on the court. You can make the perfect hire, and sometimes it doesn't work out. I don't know if he's made the perfect hires, but I do know that he is trying to put K-State in the best position possible to win. He's not short. He's not shortcutting anything. The question was about the athletic program, and I think I've only been in Manhattan for almost four years now. The, the athletic facilities – the culture, I think, is trending in the right direction because at the end of Bill Snyder, I just didn't feel like you know there was a change that needed to be made. I feel like there's excitement, and as frustrating as it is, I still feel like the arrow is pointing in the right direction. I know it might not seem like it, but I really think it is. One of the things I really admire about Gene Taylor is he doesn't care about optics. He doesn't care that I hired my best friend. You know, a good friend. I think he's the coach for Kansas State. He doesn't care that Bill Snyder is Bill Snyder. 
but I truly believe we need to make a change here. We're going in the wrong direction, and there's no sign staying this course is going to do anything but further deteriorate the football program. He takes a raise when probably it wasn't supposed to be done. He keeps Bruce Weber when a loud part of the fan base wanted him to make a change. So I admire that. I mean, if you truly believe in something and you believe in someone, you stand with them and buy them. Now you start stacking all of those decisions and the optics of it one on top of another, and you start to understand why fans are getting a little bit um, uneasy about the losing. Because standing by your decision or your person can also mean you're too arrogant to admit a mistake, to admit that the decision you made this number of years ago isn't working out in the current time frame. I don't see that knowing Gene. I don't see that at all from him. But I guess it's just something maybe he needs to be a little careful with. These optics do kind of like ding you as you go along. Now, if it all cashes in and K-State's winning 67% of its games in a couple of years and someone's got a Big 12 championship or they have another big year where they win multiple championships, then everyone's going to be happy and they're not going to care. They're going to have a, an AD who kicks ass and takes names and doesn't care what people think about it. So uh, there's just a, there's a lot of things going on here with frustration coming out of the pandemic with the fan base. I get it. I feel it. Our business sees it. Our business feels it. Um, so we're pretty attuned with all that stuff going on. and But again, I think K-Staters will stay the course. The last question of the first half of the podcast comes from WCAT. K-State has the second lowest enrollment of the Big 12 schools and the smallest athletic department budget in the conference. Its major sports finished with disappointing seasons at near the bottom of the conference standings in their respective sports. Is the university floundering and does it need new leadership? I think well, you meant public. Public? You mean public? Surely TCU and Baylor don't have 20,000 students. Yeah, Baylor. I know TCU's around 12 and yeah. Baylor's 16. I think public. Well, who would be the smaller public? Iowa State's bigger. Kansas is bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, West Virginia's huge. Maybe. Texas Tech? Uh, no, Texas Tech's. All those Texas schools are going to be big. Let's, let's look this up. Stand by. Are we are we out of schools? Oklahoma State. I think bigger, we're, Oklahoma State's bigger. I mean, maybe, maybe there have been some, well, anyhow. some leapfrogging. I'll look. Well, get back to the end. What was the end of the question again? Is the university floundering and does it need new leadership? I think the university's floundering. I do. And and that's not a shot at General Myers in any way. He was asked to temporarily take a job to be a transition president. And now he's – how many years has he been at this? Four? He's been here as long as I've been here. So. I think since – Spring of 16? Because I graduated about the time where Kirk Schultz left or he was close to leaving. I mean, the guy's pushing 80. He's a a remarkable man in every way, but uh, there's no way he's as invested in this as John Weefald was when he showed up from the Minnesota system to revive K-State. Do you think he has a son he's trying to get the president job? That could be. Could be. Corporal Myers. I guess his son would be 50-something, 60. Wow. Let's move on. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I do, and I think he would agree that it's time for him to move on. I think the bigger problem here is becoming the Board of Regents. They have made consistently bad decisions about, you know, Wichita State. They've – this university needs to get aggressive, but there's nothing the university can do without help from the Board of Regents. So that's my concern. And, you know, does the new governor appreciate the importance of running an academic system in a profitable business-like manner while being fair in the pricing for your in-state students? Well, that's just the thing. I think I was just having this conversation with my friends. Um, One of my friends makes a lot of money at 21 years old. He works at a BMW dealership. He didn't go to college. Mm Mm-hmm. That's an issue here, too, that a lot of people don't want to talk about is there's other opportunities besides having to get a college degree now. Well, let's let's be really honest here. The 
fallacy of a college degree has been exposed in many ways. In many ways, if uh, if you're a person not inclined to want to get a four-year degree, learn how to be an electrician or, you know, something. You get a trade. You can make more money and add in three years while I'm drinking in Aggieville and you're working. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a serious amount of money, particularly if you're putting it away and it starts compounding on you through the years. And you did that from age 19 on. I think a lot of people now are realizing I went to college. I just engulfed myself in debt that now I'm hoping gets miraculously wiped clean because it's the only solution I see because I have so much debt. Why did I do this? Because I don't have a degree that is of great value. Right. If if you're going to amass the kind of debt your generation's having to do, mm-hmm. because education prices have skyrocketed, you better be an engineer, a lawyer, a doctor, something that enables you to pay that off because it's really difficult. It's really, really challenging to do that. I know everyone wants to keep state taxes down. I certainly do in my libertarian ways, but I also believe if you're going to pay taxes, you need to do them at the closest vicinity to you, my city, my state. That's where I want to pay a majority of my taxes, and I don't. Because back in the day when I went to school, every in-state student was supplemented by the state. Every one of us. And now there's nothing. And we can barely get the state to keep the buildings from falling apart. So the state needs to make a decision. We've got umpteen state-sponsored schools. Is this wise? Is it wise to have that many schools? Uh, I think you make an argument it's not. But how do you unwind that? What happens to a Pittsburgh or a Emporia, if you close the school, destroys the town? That's not good for the state. So it's a, it's a complex problem that Kansas has got it into, got itself into. But back to the point, whomever comes in here needs to run this great balancing act of understanding the educational culture, which in some ways is not ideal while bridging it over to running a school like a business without operating it like a business. The academic culture is a weird, weird place. There's a lot of people that make a lot of money who don't really understand that they need to be generating. At the end of the day, this is a business. You, you, you should have enough students to generate what your department's costing you. And this doesn't work that way. I've talked about it. We've talked about it on this podcast a lot in the past, but degrees are not as modern as they should be. No. Education doesn't move as quickly as technology does, and it can't. And in a place like K-State where, you know, I know they're trying with their 2025 campaign and they've been trying to become, you know, a top 50 research university, but until you can become at the forefront of, you know, something – you know, you know, we talk about they have good engineering. They everything's only good. Nothing is really the leader in in the industry. And maybe that changes with InBath coming in. You know, maybe some other stuff changes. But until K State gets to the top and decides to become an innovator, K State's just going to be flat. And I did look it up. They are the lowest public school. Baylor and TCU are just under. And it's going south. It's going back down. When I was in school, before John Weefald arrived, we were at 16,000 students and heading south. I mean, this institution was about to become another, a big version of Hayes or something. And he changed that. It's time to go find the next Doc Weefald. That's it for the first half of the Power Cat Questions podcast. We'll be right back. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you get some of that Paps Heavy Seltzer, whatever it is. Oh, Lord. Get drunk and belch. Good times. GoPowerCat.com's Power Cat Podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, a long first half. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking here. Go to the fridge, go to Tanner's, go to the Hilo, uh, go to everything that you want to do in Manhattan. Just come to Manhattan. Feel sorry for us and come to town. Stop at the fridge. Feel sorry for us? Yeah, feel sorry Why? Because of our construction yeah. that they'll have to experience yeah. when they come to town? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Good luck getting into Aggieville. I go down towards Aggieville the other day, Zach, and I'm going to pull the right turn on, what is that, 14th Street? 15th Street. Burger King. Yeah, the Burger King. And 14th. And it's closed. Oh, it's been closed for a while. You can go to Burger King. That's it. I know. I, I, yeah. So not then you're like in, you're trapped. So your choices are to get back on to Anderson and get into the traffic or try to go right through Aggieville. But that's a nightmare because when you get to Rally House, you have to turn left right now. <laughs> And everyone's trying to park going two miles an hour. It was just a mess. Or you could just take a tour of MCC. Mm, what a mess. I don't think down. you can turn right into it. You're stuck. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah you, you can't get anywhere in this town. Anyhow, come to Manhattan. You might want to parachute into town and just drop right into your location. But make sure you stop at the fridge. Where are we dropping, boys? <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. More of your questions from Wild Bass Station. Take it away, Midnight. Uh, first question of the second half comes from El Camino Cat. Should TJ Shankar be the 2020-2021 KSU Athlete of the Year? I don't know how he's not. Probably should be. I don't. Even, how how well has he done? I haven't even he's won the Big that. Twelve. He did win the Big Twelve. He's defending okay. national champ too. So yeah, he I mean should, that's still he coming. He should up. qualify for India for the Olympics. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. Honestly, Hopefully. Olympic. Yeah. Yes. Yes is all around. Oh yeah, India. Yeah, yeah. He'll absolutely qualify for that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, hey, that's the advantage yeah. of having a lot of international track people. You know, they they can make the India's Olympics. a big country, though. It's yeah, the biggest country in the world. Second, no, right? I think it's, it's the second. most populated. Is it more than China? I'm ninety five percent. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll Alexa. What's the population of China? China's population is one point four four billion people. Alexa, what's the population of India? India's population is one point three eight billion. <sighs> Yep, I'm glad I took that 5%. <laughs> Alexa, what's the population of Luxembourg? Luxembourg's population is 626,000 people. Oh, that's more than I thought it'd be, actually. What's Iceland? Alexa, what's the population of Iceland? Iceland's population is 341,000 people. There you go. And they're all blonde and beautiful. Anyhow, yeah, he should be able to make it. I mean, we should have a number of international former athletes that are out there in the olympics if japan has it if we'll find out i'm um, sure they will they got to. they're him hawing around on it still i, I just move it to florida <laughs> just you got enough facilities down there just move it to florida for god's sakes might have they're hotel real. space you can just rent a bunch of cruise ships park them and put the nations on different cruise ships. You mean how Tulsa was supposed to do it for their Olympic bid? Did you ever read about that? Uh-uh. Yeah. There's a canal that goes up 
through to Tulsa and the plan for their Olympic bid. I think it was for 2022 or, or 2026, whatever it was, 24, 26, who knows? Um, they wanted to bring in cruise ships, park them on the canal, and that would have gotten them to their quote unquote hotel capacity limit. How big is this canal? Apparently big enough for this to be somewhat not far fetched. I, I mean, need to go to Tulsa and check out. I this mean, canal. going to Tulsa and having the Olympics there is far fetched, but it was intriguing following that bid or them mm. trying. They but were never even they were never never even like invited to make a bid by the U.S. Olympic Committee. Let's make they a tried. bid for Manhattan and just have everybody on the Kansas River. I like it. Uh, that'll play out well. That's like uh, building Bramage Coliseum to get the NCAA tournament. Worked out like a charm. Uh, second question of the second half is from Duck Hook Eight. What is the current status of COVID protocols for K-State athletics? Still regular t- testing, players getting vaccinated. I assume that's a that, great question. I assume that baseball players are still getting tested. Yeah. yeah so Pete Hughes has said that they are actually ninety percent uh, vaccinated on the team and the staff and everything. So um, I would assume they're still getting tested, but I'm pretty sure uh, they don't have to wear masks anymore. I think it, they're kind of following the majors protocols where if you have 85% of your staff vaccinated, then you can loosen up the restrictions. But um, yeah, I think it's really good that the baseball program has got 90% of their team vaccinated. Yeah. Sure. Uh, this is, I chatted briefly with Chris Kleiman about it and they're trying to get more players. They're not going to require anyone. This is a personal health choice. And I, I'm really opposed to these campuses that are making students get vaccinated. Screw you, man. Screw, you know, it's just, too far for me but you also want to keep everyone safe here's the thing if I, i'm vaccinated and when we first had the vaccinations come out there was concern that we could still be carriers and from as far we can still catch covid i still see this that so-and-so got vaccinated still got covid that's true of almost any vaccine i mean you could still get it and and this being the kind of quote vaccine it is it's going to be very true. I could still get COVID. It won't be as severe. That's the point. It won't be as severe. And what they're not seeing, though, is transmission. And that's enormous. Mm-hmm. The fear was I needed to still wear a mask because you could still transmit it. They're not seeing any transmission from vaccinated people to unvaccinated people. So I'm just... If you are vaccinated, what do I care if Cole's sitting across from me not vaccinated? I'm protected from Cole if he wants to make that decision. And that's the way I am now with everything, going to football games. Now it's in your hands. If you don't want to get vaccinated, that's fine. I did. I feel protected. Maybe I'll still get COVID. I'm really confident I'm not dying from it, which I thought was the goal here. I didn't know eradication was the goal. I thought preventing us from clogging up the hospitals and dying was the goal. So I'm getting a little confused what we're doing here. Uh, I'm going to feel safe going in public. If you feel safe not being vaccinated going in public, that's fine. We both made our own choices. Everyone can get the vaccine who wants it. Now, I hope athletes do get it simply because it... It'll make sure that it doesn't spread amongst the unvaccinated. But, and plus, if you're vaccinated, you're not going to be getting a cotton swab shoved up your nose three times a week. Um, what I'm worried about, and for the record, I mean, I'm as somebody who is fully vaccinated and is everyone in their family, their close friends, fully vaccinated. So maybe my views on it are a little bit differently, but I would think that these players would want to because I would imagine there's still going to be COVID protocols for if you're in contact with somebody. I mean, if you're not vaccinated and somebody gets COVID on the team and you were in close contact with them, you're going to have to sit out. But if you are vaccinated, you're not going to have to sit out. So I think that would offer incentive because I really do think there is still going to be some type of, you know, protocol, rather be testing, maybe weekly, you know, just. Certainly for the unvaccinated. Right? You would think. So I, I don't think it's going to go away. The COVID protocols aren't going to go away just because it is still, you know, an issue. Um, but at the same time, I think that would just incentivize athletes. I don't know. I, because of my situation, I've spent a lot, a lot of time studying this, and I've tried to rise above all the nonsense out there, people playing games with this. I'm vaccinated. I feel safe. Maybe I'm being foolish, but... I know the chances of me getting a serious 
transmission of this virus have gone way down, and that's that's all I need. That's all I need. So uh, Chris Kleiman did mention to me that the quarantine thing is a big incentive. Mm-hmm. If you're vaccinated, you want to be quarantined. Oh, I'm going to go get vaccinated. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't want to be locked up in my house for two weeks, missing practice and games. And if you're vaccinated, maybe you won't lose your taste for five months. That's true. And maybe if you're vaccinated, you'll get a side effect where it cuts like half a half a second off of your forty time. Is that what they're telling recruits? That's science. Yeah, oh, science. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. That's that's a if you run a five second. Huh? That's a 10% decrease down Mm -hmm. to 4.5. That is incredible. They're seeing it. Yeah, they're seeing it over in uh, TransAsia. I think I just made that up. (laughs) What? I don't know. Just (laughs) the lower, lower upper India. There's the tests are coming out. Yeah, they're, 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 they've got like a half second. Um, this is all, and plus you would lift more. It's, it's science. I'm sorry, I got too scientific. <laughs> moving on now from uh, Knet asks: With the Nike All Sports deal expiring, will it be sports specific deals? What is the financial impact of outfitting minor sports? Will we become the second New Balance school? <laughs> Should we go back to the being an LA Gear school? What is LA Gear? I'm asking. I, oh my God. Uh, I don't remember those days. I think I was able to go back in time long enough, like New early balance? enough in, in uh, Boston College is switching to New Balance for every sport except football, I okay. believe. So they're going to switch there. No, I don't think K-State will ever switch to New Balance because New Balance is a – I mean, it's New Balance taking over Boston College is being like, hey, we're next door. We're little buddies. We're in about Boston. We make our stuff here in Boston. You want to be friends? And Boston College was like, yeah. We'll be friends. So I don't think. So K-State's going to be champion? I would love that, personally. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the way that the way that these 90s brands have kind of restarted, like starter, champion, you know, they're they're cool now for the for they the are. for Gen Z. They like are. like 10 years ago, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing champion. Now, champion's cool again. It's expensive. It's it's, it's a it's a luxury ish brand yeah. now, the way it's been represented to the market. So, I could see, you know, one of those types of companies reentering college sports. That's not necessarily for K State. And talking about K State, no, I don't think that K State's ever going to get away from a a manufacturer producing everything. You know, it'll be Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. You know, I know that there'll be a next question here. We'll keep talking about this, so I won't give my thoughts yet but you know it'll be one deal and and i think that k-state will re-up with nike if you want to ask the next question yeah so cliff calvin 754 asks Oz put some respect on his man name. we're having some serious cultural age issues right now on this podcast he's not heard of la gear right is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, L.A. Gear. Yeah, I barely remember L.A. Gear. And uh, now he doesn't know who Cliff Clavin is. Do you know what the sitcom Cheers is? Yeah, I know what that is. That's Cliff Clavin. Oh, okay. I just He's figured, the worker. Yeah, I just, you know, sometimes I struggle reading, so. That's good. Cliff Clavin, 754. Odds that KSU. He's going to be a senior at K-State. Odds that KSU re-ups with Nike. 25%, 50%, 75%, 100%. I'd put it at like 98, 99%. Just the way the pandemic happened, you know, the the contract was running out. They went into their last year, and I've been kind of keeping an eye on this and making requests, you know, for whatever the new contract is. The last one I made in February, there was no movement. So it'll end June 30th, at least the way the current contract is. And the way that the, the contract is written, K-State and their uh, exclusive negotiating time frame to de- to create a new deal with Nike ended last July one. So they've been allowed to to speak with Adidas, Under Armour, whoever else since then legally. And I don't think they, I don't know if they necessarily have. And that's not the indication that I've gotten from from my um, correspondence with K State. And because you know it seems like it's a Nike thing. You know their supply chain over in Asia. You know they got you know with COVID. You know everything kind of took a a back seat and another thing was that nike did take over the mlb contract Mm. at the beginning of last year so that probably played a bit of of an effect going into this into the 2020 at least baseball and you know some other seasons there from a from a design aspect just because i think when when nike took over you know the basketball contract for nba 
NFL, you know, 10 years ago or so, you know, I think that there was kind of some, some delays as far as college product went and some designs there, but you know, with, with the way the contract was, K-State did get new quote unquote new jerseys last year, as far as a template goes. And usually they, they try to use those for a couple of years. So I think that the way the contract was ending and how they, you know, they could have redesigned, but they really didn't redesign jerseys for last year. I think that it could be at least, you know, another year, you know, before we see anything there, but I'd say 98% chance of them re-upping and it's just, you know, Nike hasn't been able to, it hasn't been a priority, I guess, for them right now at this point, but well, I still think that the relationship is somewhat good. Pandemic's impacted. Nike. Yeah. <clears throat> Manufacturing, creation, all that. Explain real quick to everyone. What a school such as Kansas State gets out of a contract with Nike? So for really for K-State and really a lot of schools, even, you know, some big schools, but it's rarely ever cash. It's all product. So K-State gets $1.6 or something million dollars of retail product a year, I believe, from Nike. Um, and it goes up each year. And it, when K-State went, uh, switched from equestrian to soccer as their 16th women's sport, um, Nike did up the contract a little bit of money just because, um, you know, there was obviously new product and more stuff that they needed to supply a viable market too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so for, for that, um, looking around the conference, Iowa state probably has the weirdest deal with Nike and it's just kind of, I don't know, it goes into more specifics into sports and it seems like they get less, but Oklahoma state gets a lot more, um, product allowance but they also have more sports too so it, it kind of just depends on what the sports are we'll never know what baylor and tcu are um i haven't looked at texas tech or ku's contracts recently for adidas and texas tech or for under armor and adidas um but you know they're probably somewhat similar as far as the cash and product goes i think ku might get a little bit more cash and it might not be on the books, but um. <laughs> no way. What the cash from um, Adidas? What? Yeah, I mean, who's getting that money? Yeah. And when, when Riley and I we made these, I think it's been three years now. Texas absolutely refused, and they cited some Texas Supreme Court case with Boeing. I think that said, "Hey, we don't have to give out contracts." I'm just like, okay, whatever. But they were Texas was not thrilled with releasing what Nike pays them and what they give them. So, so we weren't it, able to make a good comparison. Is it fair to say that the odds of K-State getting with Adidas is zero? I would say it's probably zero just because of... Could you imagine K-State Just because, just because of the, the KU stuff. Yeah, I think why that would they, Adidas do that? Yeah, why, would, why would Adidas do... I mean, one, they're already in the market, so to speak, Kansas. If, if, that's, if it's for advertising, it doesn't make a lot of sense there. And then Under Armour, they're trying to get out of most of their deals, at least their big ones. And, and maybe they try to you know, re-enter new markets, but, you know, they dumped Cal, they dumped UCLA, you know, they, they aren't paying these giant contracts and not that K-State would have ever gotten a huge contract. And maybe that's what Nike or excuse me, Under Armour is, is going after trying to do these Nike style contracts saying, Hey, we'll give you, you know, maybe they say we'll give you $3 million of product, but it's not going to be cash. You know, it, maybe it's one of those types of things. That, and it's entirely happen. possible to do, a shoe deal and an equipment deal. I mean, you can do different things here. I, I think K-State would naturally prefer just to stick with Nike. I think we all would prefer that. But you also have to do what's best for your department. And if if an outside player like a champion steps up and says, we'll give you 1.5 and just stuff, not shoes, you can go get your own shoe deal. I think you probably have to stop and look at it. Uh, maybe not at that. It would probably need to be a lot more money than that if you're going to do separate. But, yeah, I mean, the point's there. But if one of these new – I mean, let's say Puma or somebody else that kind of had these 90s, you know, at least NFL football deals wants to step back in, the college game is the easiest market to get back into for for a new player, so to speak. I saw Puma golf stuff that was – the shirts are sweet. Puma makes good stuff. Soccer jerseys. There's a lot of stuff out there that Puma's like, you know, that might be a little bit better than Adidas. You know what my new motto's going to be? I'm going to be like an old shoe company. I'm not old. I'm retro. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Um, 
TN Cat asks, tagging on to KNED's question, with the Nike contract running out, does that mean that we are even further delayed in seeing possible alternate uniforms for football since they always say it takes a couple of years to play in those? And I'm going to add on to this question. And what kind of jerseys would we like to see for alternate uniforms? I got my all-whites. I'm pretty damn happy. I, I don't want black. K-State's not the Colorado Rockies. I know that you guys I'll think that K-State can be the Colorado Rockies, but I don't think that black and purple looks good together. Sorry. I don't think that purple. I disagree with that, but TCU does a lot of black and purple. Let's let them have that. Okay, at the very least, TCU has already got right. that. They are already the Rockies. Why try being TCU? Right. I mean, if you did, I don't want any black on the uniforms. If you did any black, maybe I'd accept a black helmet, but that's it. A black helmet with a white power cat, that's it. That's all I'd want. I don't want any pants or anything. I just want other combinations. Give me the all grays. I would I would love to have a retro helmet that wasn't even necessarily a helmet at one time. I mean, I love the fighting Willie quite a bit. I think that's a badass version of an old Willie. <clears throat> would never on a football helmet still. I mean, I think that'd be a really popular trademark that people would like to buy. You know, it came up on the Life of Fitz podcast with Mark Porter in um, 1982 when they went to their first bowl game, and I was in the stands for this. It was my freshman year. They warmed up for the KU game. Um, it was a night game on TBS at, at the stadium. And when they went back into the locker room and came out, they were in, in silver tops. And the place just went crazy. The team was fired up. And I agree, I, I'm going to do a daily delivery on it, but I would love to see a silver retro top. Yeah. Next season for the 40th anniversary of the first bowl. So do you think that's that would be cool. a possibility? I'm going that's to try to make what, it a possibility. That's kind of what this question is asking. For 2022, yeah. I mean, that's the earliest. But if K-State gets new uniforms this year, I would say that they wouldn't have a Nike logo on them. If, if no, K-State gets new uniforms. I think new anything uniforms. new this year will be in the space of a helmet because you yeah. can get blanks and put stickers on. Yep. I mean, I think that's what we're looking at. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a purple helmet with the white power cat this year, which I think would be badass as long as the helmet matched the uniforms. What about the old deep purple with the K on the side that they had when they were really bad? I know people get always get frustrated about the cats. Well, but... the, the K, the the one I like, the old one is from the 1960s when they were really bad. Or that's, yeah. The K with yeah, the state under yeah, it. Your, your yeah. favorite one. Is a, blows up the argument of oh you can't wear the cat script because K State was so uh, bad. It's like well if the one you like yeah. and you want to wear well, they might have done better, but it was just a tie. They didn't win, but they tied. <laughs> it does, but it doesn't because it was so far ago. People don't tie it together. A lot of us still tie that cat's logo to some pretty miserable times. I just, it's a cool logo, but it's interesting they brought that back because we never thought of it as cool. Well, you know, it was on a just tragically bad football team's helmet. We never looked at it like, oh, that's really cool. It goes but back to what I was saying about the 90s and even the bring 80s. It back. Exactly. Stuff. And it's cool. The Gen Z and the younger generations, they like retro stuff. And as hard as it is for a lot of people to admit, 80s and 90s has been a while since those. You know, 10 years ago. You know, you go back to 70s and 80s, and we're looking at the same time frame as far as what retro was. So we're moving up. It's going to be close to where year 2000 stuff is is retro. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that makes me feel old. Uh, last question. Well, hang on, hang on. Oh, my God. Uh, one more thing. Oh, my so old. As far as uniforms go, I'd rather – I would rather K-State – create some sort of new brand identity because in the contract nike says hey we'll create stuff for you nike won't own it you'll own it you know if you ever decide to change but you know nike's done a great job in the past you know they redesigned arizona state stuff before they moved to adidas uh tennessee um i'm sure there's others that i'm missing oklahoma but state oklahoma state is actually probably the best one re especially recently because they had kind of that redesign about 10 years ago but then about four or five years ago they did another one mm -hmm. and they created you know a new font new you know a pattern that they use kind of on their their collar and you know a, you know a new motif i guess and i think that k-state is long overdue for, you know, a font and just kind of an overall brand identity look. And you can create a second logo. You know, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that that K-State could do and Nike could do for K-State that 
I feel like they just haven't taken advantage of. And Agreed. the fact that K-State has had to go back to the Cats logo, as controversial as, as it seems, is, is just kind of telling of what do of we have how laying little, around of how little stuff k-state has and i think that using serpentine is just a gross font it's not unique to k-state it's everywhere you know every little construction company on the face of the earth uses that font for, no. yeah. for whatever so i think that k-state needs something bespoke to them and Nike is there to provide it for them, and they just need to take advantage of it. We use serpentine in a lot of graphics and headlines for the magazine. And about a year in, I got tired of it. It just I don't I don't like the font. It's not a good font. It's a weird choice. Milk was a bad choice, and so was serpentine. K Ned for the last question of the podcast. Asked, Sorry, it was an Anchorman reference. <laughs> is three consecutive National Basketball Hall of Fame coaches the easiest way to describe how good K-State basketball was in the Triangle Days? Congratulations to Cotton. Yeah, Cotton for the Simmons going into the Hoops Hall of Fame. Incredible. Just incredible. And, I mean, Bruce Weber adds to it. I mean, nobody's going to look back through the, the length of time. Did you break your microphone over there? I don't know what's going on. You went, you went limp. You're unscrewed at the side there, I think. Um, yeah, just am amazing. Gardner to Winner to Fitzsimmons to Hartman. Just incredible. And Jack, unfortunately, won't probably get into anything. I feel like the basketball call or the basketball Hall of Fame just kind of lets in, they let in a lot of people. Well, Cotton's going in more for the NBA. Sure. But yeah, they're not letting Jack Hartman in. You can make an argument his winning percentage and conference title should get him in, but he never really advanced too deep in the NCAA tournament. It's really cool. We have a really cool tradition of basketball coaches, and and you stop and think about it, Kruger, Altman, and then eventually Hugs and Martin and, and Weber. That all adds to it, and it's something to consider for the future when you go out and hire a coach. It, it's a pretty tradition-laden place to coach basketball. But, yeah, congratulations, Scott Fitzsimmons. You were here a very short period of time. I think he lived in a house right across the street from where we are. I think because this, will you stop your phone? Why do I have to hear your phone? Why does a young guy have a vibrating phone on the podcast? Why, Cole? Answer these. I tweeted about Ted Lasso last night, and somebody just liked the tweet. Okay. Put it on a soft surface. Also, why do you have your notifications on for Twitter? Come on. Because I'm not Twitter famous like you guys. Oh, I see. <laughs> well. I'm Twitter famous. We're going to go now. I got some tweets to make, apparently. Thanks for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. We'll be back next week with more of your questions from Wildbash Station. And, of course, back on Friday with the overtime, which I think we're going to record right now. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Thank you.